0: Whiskey Bikini, Whiskey Bikini, Whiskey Bikini, Whiskey Whiskey Bikini, bikini. Whiskey Whiskey Bikini, bikini. Mojo in the Corridors of Blood, Episode 5, Cometh the Hour, Cometh the Deviants. Ah, welcome my friends, and thank you for joining me again in this latest installment in the adventures of Mojo and Jones. I have to admit that I've barely slept a wink since the last episode, which ended on a shocking cliffhanger, our friends assailed and set upon by a bizarre pervert called Bobby Hard and a gang of deviants. What has happened to them? Are they yet living? Or have they been subjected to fates even worse than death? Without wishing to tease, dear, dear listener, let us first return to mad scientist and medical practitioner Valdemar and the wicked chimp Sojo, for I have a feeling they are up to no good yet again. Back in his lab, Valdemar is standing in front of a mirror, applying what looks to be camouflage makeup to his face, his white coat replaced with a dark cloak. On his feet are a pair of dirty red brothel creepers. With great care, he rubs on some white foundation cream and then dusts himself liberally with grey powder using a puff. Sojo is perched on a nearby table, watching with no small amusement as the mad scientist adds eyeshadow for effect. <laughs> Hearing his hench-chimp's mirth, Voldemar turns around and shakes his head. Ah, Sojo, clearly you're not au fait with the clandestine arts of subterfuge. He turns back to the mirror and takes a long, close look at his reflection, eyes narrowing with critical evaluation. He nods, satisfied with his efforts. You see, my friend, the next stage of our plan unfortunately requires me to get my exquisite hands dirty. And for that, I need to be suitably less visible. Now, please observe. He steps away from the mirror and into a shadowy corner, blending into the darkness. Although his face does not quite disappear, it is perhaps enough to fool any casual onlookers. Sojo nods, impressed. more than a little surprised at such an unusually competent display. Valdemar strides back into the light and starts doing a few limbering up exercises, stretching his legs and arms with some difficulty and a series of audible cracks. I have I told you about my times in the military, my work as an undercover spy. Soldier looks disinterested and spins his gun. In the field, I learned that the most effective disguises are not those which attempt to make the wearer vanish, but those which fool the eye into thinking it has seen something else. He gives a quick twirl in front of the mirror, quite lost in his fantasy. I have thrown together this little get-up, which serves not one, but two purposes. Firstly, I will be able to move unnoticed around the hospital as I zero in on our target, fitting from shadow to shadow. Staying out of the clutches of the loathsome security guard. The soldier applauds politely. <laughs> Secondly, in the most unlikely event that I should be spotted, although my garb is a little bizarre, it is not wholly out with the realms of possibility that I should be wearing it for perfectly innocent reasons. Who is to say that I, Valdemar, am not simply en route to a fancy dress party? Am I not popular enough to be invited to such an event? Sojo removes his hat and scratches his bald head, confused. And that's not all. As a result, I also have this money, so I need to bribe my way out of the trouble. The plan is perfect! (laughs) (laughs) They laugh heartily together, enjoying the moment and the sweet promise of impending victory. Regaining his composure, Voldemort puts back on what passes for his game face. Right, right. I shall be back shortly with a <laughs> a volunteer. Do you have everything ready for your part in the operation? You know what to do with those troublesome goals? Sojo makes a mock yawn and nods impatiently. <coughs> Very good. But take care, my friend, and keep them under control. Tonight, failure is not a word in our collective dictionary. You must bring me that chimp! Sojo salutes and scuttles off to make his own dark preparations. Valdemar takes a deep breath, centering himself, getting into the zone. Be it one, be it one. Focus your chi, Valdemar. Find your tao, form without matter, movement without restriction. Valdemar emerges from his office and creeps into the dark corridor. Fortune favours the bold. Holding his breath and trying desperately to stop his body from shaking, Valdemar slides down the corridor, pressed up against the wall, the neon overhead lights leaving very little in the way of usable shadow or obvious lurking spaces. Sweating and smearing his makeup, he creeps along until finally he reaches a light switch and is able to fill the corridor with darkness. Breathing a sigh of relief, he dashes onwards, though his red brothel creepers offer him little purchase on the floor, and he slips tumbling head over heels into a laundry trolley filled with filthy rags paralyzed with fear he waits in the trolley as Beaumont walks past in a nearby room Martlor is asleep on the bed a great bulge under the sheet apparently the doctors have been unable to help him with his problem as of yet he appears to be dreaming twitching and muttering to himself the door to his room opens and in creeps Valdemar sleek it cunning he skulks over to the bed he catches sight of the melon boat and jumps slightly with surprise unable to help himself he lifts up the covers and takes a peek shocked he mutters to himself what in the name of all that is holy clearly disturbed he shakes his head and drops the sheet no no matter you will do just fine my perverted friend from his pocket The good doctor produces a small bottle of chloroform and a filthy rag. He pours some liquid onto the rag and holds it over Martlore's mouth. Instantly, the poor guy sits up in the bed, thrashing around. Sadly, no one comes to his head. And a couple of seconds later, he is out cold. One down, one to go. Advantage, Valdemar. Valdemar pulls the sheets over his head. ...and wheels the bed out into the dark corridor. Oh, poor, poor Martlor. But come now, let's leave him in the clutches of Valdemar. For it is high time we checked on our friends. Back in Jones's living room, the place has been completely trashed. Gone are the TV and videos, the sofa is overturned... ...and half the tapes on the floor have been smashed. In the centre of the room are two chairs... ...to which Jones and Mojo have been tied... Still unconscious, the two friends are slumped with their heads down. In a bizarre and rather cruel move, the sex crew have dressed them in drag, complete with poorly applied makeup. Mojo, in particular, looks ridiculous, wearing a dress that makes him even less convincing than he did in his old lady gear. His three goons standing behind the chairs, Bobby Hard strolls around and he delivers a stinging slap to Jones's <coughs> rouged cheek. Wake up, Bubba! Getting only a couple of moans in response. Oh, oh, oh. Bobby Hard steps in closer until his crotch is directly level with Jones's face. He delivers another slap. Wake up and look at God! Jones wakes up and comes face to face with the crotch of Bobby Hard. Pete Screw holds the chair in place, preventing any escape. Yeah, that's right. You like that, huh? Tiny dancer? Woo, woo! Ha <laughs> ha! Bobby Hard stands back, cracking up and pointing at the two captives. The whole sex crew join in, Thomas Van Manhood doubling over as if in pain with his German laughter. <laughs> Jones wakes he looks around. What, what, what the hell have you done to my apartment? The two prisoners slowly realize that something is wrong. After a couple of seconds, they look at each other, see the dresses and the makeup. Both of them shriek. Where? Where? What the hell have you done to us? Pete Screw slaps Jones across the back of his head. Bobby Hard scowls at him. Oh, don't tell me the dress doesn't suit. Maybe I should have gone something with a little more class? He pulls a mirror from the trash on the floor and shows Jones and Mojo what they look like. The two of them start to shout and struggle, causing <laughs> the laughter to begin. <laughs> <a new. laughs> Yep, well, the way I hear it, and I got him here a reliable source. Well, you mean that bitch Caramel? I'd watch who you call a bitch, Tootsie. Pete and Thomas here, a couple of regular swingers, aren't you boys? Pete Screw and Thomas von Manhood put their hands heavily on the shoulders of Jones and Mojo, <coughs> nodding hungrily. They ain't been fed for a week, if you know what I mean. So you keep a civil tongue, Bubba, lest you want me to let loose the dogs that ain't no sex, you understand? Jones and Mojo nod. Yeah, I figured you might see things my way. Now like I said, I got it from a reliable source that you ain't capable of fulfilling your premarital responsibilities for more than a couple of fucking minutes. Oh man, what can I say that stress my <laughs> job gets me sometimes? Come on, Bobby, you know how it is, right? Stress? You ain't even got a fucking job. The way I hear it, you don't do much of anything, in or out of the boudoir. Well, at least I'm not some goddamn hustler who sneaks around stealing girlfriends. Pete screws in rage, and he starts to strangle (laughs) Jones. Bobby Hart lets this go for a couple of seconds. Then he motions for his goons to stop. Hush, hush. I didn't steal her from you, bub. It ain't like that. I employed her. I gave her a career, gave her all the things you never could. Why, right now, she's filming my latest epic, Raiders of the Lost Ass. Mojo seems quite excited about this, and screeches and claps. (laughs) Thomas, put that monkey down for a signed copy. Shit, how about we give the monkey a job? I can see it now. Bobby Hard presents Gorillas in the Fist, the first ever primate sex film with top quality production values. What do you think of that, fellas? The sex crew all nod their approval. Ooh, yeah. Mojo seems to be quite into it. <laughs> you pervert! Leave my monkey alone! <laughs> oh, shit, Bubba. If I'm a pervert, guess I'm in good company. Carmel told you all about your freaky little fetish. You put my sex crew to shame with the shit you're into. What? What the hell are you bobbling about? <laughs> I don't play Tinkerbell with me, Bub. There are just some things that don't belong in or near a man's ass. I mean, seafood, for Christ's sake. What the fuck? <laughs> I mean, be Maybe be a two-minute master, but I'm not some goddamn fish fiend. Well, now that you mention it, perhaps it was one of the other hundred guys she was screwing. Baby loves to dance. Woo! You're lying, you're lying! Oh, sorry, little man. All you were to her was another John Dildo. She loved me. She paid the goddamn rent. How many women would do a thing like that? Bobby Hard pulls a little tape recorder out of his pocket and he waves it around. Well you know I had a notion, you might take this news a little hard, so I took the liberty of making myself a recording. Yeah, yeah, that's right! Who do you love? Boy, be hard, boy, be bo, be hard. Hey, damn right! Who do you hate? Jones! Jones! He ever gives you this? No! Oh god, no! Could he ever do it like this? Woo! Oh shit, no! No! That's right, baby, now strap it on. Strap it on. Bobby Hard starts to panic, and he fumbles for the stop button on the tape recorder. Oh yeah, baby, like that. What's my name? What's my name? Rainy! Rainy! Hit me, baby, hit me! Fucking hit me! Woo! Bobby Hard throws the tape recorder to the ground, and he grinds it under his heel, destroying it. There's an awkward silence around the room. Bobby Hard raises his hand, and it looks like he's about to say something. And suddenly, the front door to the house bursts open, and Sojo rushes in, shrieking and waving his one-shot pistol around, backing him up. Are the ghouls from the lab—they're stumbling along, arms either dragging the floor or raised above their heads as they make horrible whooping and chimp-like screeching noises. Sojo points at Mojo. Shrieks and order to his ghastly troops and jumps into the fray, knocking Pete Screw to the ground. Everyone in the room starts shouting and hollering with fear. Oh shit, Bobby, come on man, untie us. Bobby Hard starts to back off towards the door. Thomas Van Manhood vomits, but he manages to wrestle Soldier off Pete Screw. Animal Spurt looks strangely unconcerned, but doesn't do much to help. Sojo looks in rage, and he points his gun at the sex crew menacingly, but does not fire. him. The ghouls tear the ropes off Mojo, and stuff him into a burlap sack. The poor chimp is quite terrified, the struggles mentally. Jones is terrified. Bobby, come on, stop them! Uh-uh, I'm a saint, not a sinner. To me, sex crew, to me! The sex crew form a protective wall in front of their leader, as he heads for the back door. Whilst a few of the ghouls are taking swipes at the sex crew, they seem more concerned with Jones and Mojo. Still screeching from within the sack, Mojo is dragged out of the door while a few of the ghouls surround Jones. They pause for a moment as Stojo steps up. He fixes Jones with an evil glare, doffs his fez hat and scuttles off. The ghouls move in. Oh no. come on, not again. One of the ghouls strikes him in the face and all goes black. I'm sorry, dear listener, but I simply cannot bear to watch. Let us leave this horrible scene. We are back in the lab, and Valdemar has laid Martlor down on one of the steel operating tables. Poor Martlor is still out cold. He's only wearing a surgical sheet that covers him from the waist down, the melon bulge in his crotch still very prominent. The doctor is busying himself with preparing some nasty-looking surgical equipment. We see him bringing scalpels, a couple of jagged knives, and a vicious-looking bone saw. While doing all this, he checks his watch a couple of times, becoming more and more stressed. Blast it! Where is that confounded chimp? The secret door swings open, and in comes Sojo, leading his band of ghouls. Two of the horrible creatures are dragging the sack with mojo in it. Valdemar throws his hands into the air, delighted to see Sojo. I knew you would not fail me, Sojo! You have the chimp! Sojo halts his ghouls and nods, looking very proud with himself. Valdemar opens the sack and peers inside. He looks a little puzzled. He holds the sack onto the other operating table and shakes out the unconscious mojo. He stands back for a better look as Mojo herds the ghouls back into their cage. Sojo pulls a stick from the wall and whips it against the bars a couple of times, shrieking with cruel glee. <laughs> Sojo, why on earth is this monkey in drag? Sojo skulks back over and shrugs. Sojo, we are on a painfully tight schedule here. There had better be nothing wrong with this specimen. My god, is that lipstick he's wearing? The doctor prods Mojo a couple of times. Sojo is looking at Martlor with curiosity, in particular at the large bulge under the sheet. He skulks over and takes a look beneath the cloth. Sojo, be frank. Are you sure this is the right chimp? You went to the correct address? He seems a trifle bizarre, to say the least. Sojo sees the melon and chatters (coughs) with surprise. (coughs) He jumps onto a chair and points at Martlor. Valdemar walks around the table, considering his odd subjects. Perhaps you are right. After all, beggars cannot be choosers. Come, my henchman, let us make the best with the materials we can. Let us prepare for the procedure. Per Jones awakes on his living room floor, still dressed in drag, and surrounded by a chaotic mess of smashed furniture and trash. He puts a hand to his aching head and groans. When he finds blood there, he stands up shakily, looking around at what was once his living room. There is no sign of either the sex crew or Mojo. Mojo? Mojo, sound off, pal. Uh, sound off if you can hear me. He gets no response and he wanders around the room, checking beneath the rubbish for his buddy. After a minute, he gives up and slumps onto the wreckage of his couch. With one hand, he luckily fishes out a joint and sparks it up. He takes a couple of hits to calm his nerves. Those dirty bastards, they'll not get away with this. He sits up and pulls out a phone from the rubble. He takes another drag on the joint and calls the police. Uh, aye, hello, hello. Um, I'd like to report a kidnapping. Who was kidnapped? Oh, my, my monkey. What? No, no, sorry. I meant my brother. That's just my nickname for him. His name? Uh, Mojo. That's, yeah, I that's uh, M-O-J-O. No, 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 I'm not kidding. I'm Sure, sure, I'll hold, I'll hold. Jones is put on hold for a moment, during which he takes another couple of drags on the joint. He's getting a bit more relaxed now. What? I'm being serious. I am aware that wasting police time is a criminal offence. I know I'm not drunk. Drugs? Well, lady, look, all I want for you is to stop asking me stupid questions and help me get my chimp back, my my brother back. The phone goes dead, and Jones sighs and puts it down. He stubs out the joint and gets up, brushing down his dress. He spots a rip in the hem of the skirt and curses. Ah, shite. These sons of bitches ruined my favourite dress. He spots something on the ground and picks it up and peers at it closely. It's some sort of hospital ID card that appears to have been dropped by one of the ghouls. After only a couple of seconds' consideration, Joan springs into action, rushing out the front door, completely forgetting that he's still wearing a tattoo dress and hastily applied makeup. Mojo! Hang on, buddy, I'm coming for you! Yes, that's more like it. I should have known that Jones would not abandon Mojo, his best friend in all the world, to Valdemar and Sojo and their horrible schemes. But what can one man, one, let's be honest, fairly incompetent man, do against a mad scientist, a homicidal and well trained chimpanzee, and a horde of ghouls? Well, perhaps not much, let's be honest. But. Nevertheless, let us respect his foolhardiness as he risks life and limb to save his hairy little friend. Stay tuned, dear listener, for the next episode of Mojo in the Corridor of Blood, when we enter the fray! Whiskey Bikini. Whiskey Bikini. Whiskey Whiskey Bikini. Whiskey Bikini. Whiskey Bikini. Mojo in the Corridors of Blood.